I'm Anton Bushner with a special conversation on the rise of artificial intelligence and the impact it's having on marketing. To discuss this, I'm sitting down today with Jay Henderson. Jay is the Senior Vice President of Product Management for Acoustic. Welcome, Jay. Thanks. I'm really excited to be here. And you've just flown in, so I think we've got over jet lag, have we? Yep. Yep. Got here uh, just a couple days ago. Beautiful. And we're just preempting the uh, the official market launch of Acoustic. Yeah, yeah. So we're doing a whole series of events in sort of all our different key markets. So we're here today in Sydney to launch the acoustic brand and the company um, into the Australian market. And some of you listening might be going acoustic. What are we talking about? Um, You might like to touch on the heritage because Watson is a name that people will know. Yeah. uh, From IBM and maybe give us a quick snapshot of what happened out of Watson. Sure. Yeah. So... um, uh, Earlier this year, IBM decided to sell its IBM Watson marketing business. And what we wound up doing is actually spinning it out into a new company. And uh, really the whole idea behind it was that the business would really benefit from some additional investment uh, and some additional focus. And the best way to really achieve both those things was to move outside of IBM. So uh, we formed this new company chosen a name, Acoustic, mm-hmm. um, and are you know in the process of, of moving outside of the IBM Corporation. And I probably shouldn't mention Watson all the time, but I'm going to just summarize it a little bit, just yeah, to get sure. a sense of uh, the general marketer would know the name Watson, you sure. know, for winning in chess and yeah. for winning in Jeopardy. Um, but as I've got to learn more about, I guess, the Watson uh, brand and what mm-hmm. it offered, maybe give us a snapshot of Watson customer engagement and yeah. how that business unit fitted in. Yeah, sure. So, you know, look, Watson's uh, several different things, right? It is the set of technology that was used to win at Jeopardy. Um, It is the application of that technology into publicly available APIs that you can develop against. Um, And then, you know, uh, a whole series of different businesses within IBM that were looking at adopting the Watson technology and taking it to market to solve different problems. So uh, there was a whole group called Watson Customer Engagement within IBM. And the idea there was to take the Watson technology um, and use it to solve problems around customer engagement. So uh, the marketing piece of that is the piece that we're bringing over to Acoustic. Um, Coming with us is all of the proprietary technology that we developed around AI to support marketers. Um, there are a couple places where we use native Watson APIs, mm. um, but most of the AI that we've got inside the product has uh, been created specifically to help solve the problems of marketers. Right. Okay, great. Um, and I think everyone listening would have different viewpoints on what AI is, and especially AI for marketing. Uh, we've heard lots of discussion around, is it an intelligent algorithm? You know, is it a brain? Is it whatever? What's your perspective on what What's actually getting built in terms of AI for marketers? Yeah. I mean, you know, so first of all, what I tell you is I don't get super hung up around the definition. Yeah. You know, in a lot of cases, it's it's places where you're using advanced algorithms to help solve problems for for the, you know, for, for the business. Um, you know, I think for us, we do take a particular approach to AI that's maybe a little bit different. You know, um, if you look at AI technology, 
a lot of the core machine learning algorithms have been around for a really long time. Decades. You know, yeah, 15, 20 years. Mm. I, mean, I used to work at a data mining company called SPSS, mm. ironically now owned by IBM. Um, and, you know, hey, 15 years ago, we had machine learning. So, you know, when I think about the excitement you see in the market, um, to me, what where, where we're going to hit this inflection point and really drive a lot of adoption is really kind of... Um, uh, taking that technology and putting it in the hands of a much more casual end user, mm. right? The goal isn't for a marketer to have to go back to school and get their PhD in data mining or statistics, um, or to have to go hire you know a team of a hundred data scientists. We're actually trying to infuse the AI into the applications so that it fits seamlessly into the marketer's workflow, yeah. so that they're using these really advanced machine learning algorithms, but you know, it surfaced so naturally that they don't even realize it. It's just helping them solve the problem. So it's, it's a little bit, um, the, the algorithms and, and the AI are helping the marketer and they're working together. It's almost like, I don't know, having a new coworker, right? Yeah, As opposed yeah. to, um, you know, the, the machine learning is going to replace the marketer. Whilst you don't like definitions, I like that definition. I think, <laughs> yeah, I think the idea yeah. of infusing uh, intelligence yeah. into technology uh, we have so many technologies. You know, the Martech stack mm-hmm. is uh, what's Scott Brinker saying? Two and a half thousand, three thousand. I've lost yeah. track. How he's, many he's actually saying over seven thousand. Seven thousand. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, so you know, marketers and, and people listening will, will understand. There's so many yeah. different types of technologies. But I love your point about infusing, I guess, intelligence or machine learning into different technologies that may help marketers rather than replace marketers. Yeah. And I mean, you know, let me let me tell you a really simple little story about, mm. about one of the AI capabilities that we have that, you know, is sort of, that accomplishes that. So if you think about what a marketer does, they work on their, uh, their campaign, they spend all this time on it, they get it approved, the creative looks great, they hit send, and then what do they do? Like, well, they're super stressed out, right? Like, did it work? Did it go out? Are people opening it? Did they respond? You know, so they're sitting there clicking refresh on their reports to try to see it. So that's the the old way. One of the ways that we infused AI to help make that a better experience is uh, we have anomaly detection in the key metrics for your campaigns. So if you think about the things the marketers are caring about, open rates, response rates, opt-out rates, what we'll do is we'll actually, for, for uh, that business, we will calculate what the normal range is for those metrics. Mm-hmm. And then if we see giant spikes or dips, we'll alert the marketer. So, you know, now they're not chained to their desk, hit and refresh. They can actually, you know, go to lunch or go get a coffee. Um, and, and I think there's lots of great examples like that where you're just sort of making their lives much better or easier. Mm. So I guess we're talking, are we talking more around the comms angle of marketing at the communications end, whatever that communications channel might be? Yeah, I mean, look, the, the portfolio of technology we've got can help in a lot of different areas. Uh, the, the campaign automation is a, a big part of our business and, mm-hmm. and definitely a really strong area for us. But we've also got a whole suite of analytics to help you understand the different customer interactions. We've got technology to help with content, content management, personalization, um, as well as uh, sort of some technology to help uh, connect into the other marketing platforms that you're using. So you mentioned, you know, Scott's 7,000 different vendors. Yeah. If you actually look what's been happening, you know, sort of clearly there's been a lot of consolidation in the marketing technology space. You've got, you know, Adobe buying stuff, Oracle buying stuff, Salesforce, you've got us as acoustic. Mm. But at the same time, you've got, you know, lots of little interesting companies. So you've got one or two vendors for mobile, three or four for social, a dozen mm. for advertising. And and kind of the 
consolidation combined with that explosion of vendors has created a mess yeah. for most marketers, yeah. right? And so um, we've been focusing a lot on being an open marketing platform and, you know, sort of uh, in contrast to some of the walled gardens that are, you know, trying to keep everyone just in their application. Um, and so we've been doing a lot of work around something called acoustic exchange, which helps get data in and out of our portfolio uh, and connect uh, the ecosystem of vendors. Really, it's kind of the connective tissue for the marketing platform. Yeah, I like that word mess when you were saying. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a mess. We hear that a lot uh, when we talk to marketers. Um, and I think it's, it's fair to say it's confusing. You know, yeah. Marketing has become so confusing. The CMO has had a digital division or a social division, content division, a whole bunch of silos who have generally invested in their own technologies. Yep. So you've ended up with this mess, um, some of which is working, some of which isn't. Yep. Um, maybe before we dive too much into the specifics, how would marketers approach, say they've got to a messy stage, let's assume uh, we're not a clean e-commerce startup that's just yeah, started yeah. business, but we're a legacy business that has challenges with silos and challenges with technology uh, as a mess, as yeah. you say. How do I start approaching this from a marketer's perspective? Because I don't know who I trust. Yeah, sure. I, I mean, you know, look, I think um, as you as you kind of assess as a marketer what you can accomplish as the organization, I think you'll find different things, right? There are some organizations who are going to be able to, you know, buy a full suite from a platform vendor, and that's going to be great for them. I think, you know, more likely, though, what the marketers really need to do is just assess, you know, which areas of their marketing technology stack are working for them and fine. Mm-hmm. And which ones, you know, would be improved with either better capabilities or better integration um, and, you know, sort of prioritizing, you know, and then and then starting to tackle them. Mm-hmm. You know, I think for us, at least, when, when we talk about the need to integrate, um, that's part of what's really powerful about that. If, if you've got Adobe Analytics or Google Analytics and that's working for you, hey, that's great. We know how to ingest data from those applications into our campaign management. If you don't have one of those or those aren't working for you, that's great. We've got, yeah. our, we've got our own analytics solution that, you know, I can spend a lot of time telling you why that's so great. And, yeah. you know, what you'll find is that, you know, marketers may not have budget to do everything at once. They may not have span of control over all of those systems. So they need to collaborate with their peers. Um, you know, from a, a change management perspective, they may not be able to change everything at once. So a lot of times it's really about understanding what's working for you, what's not, and where the opportunity is um, to to change and to improve and, and to you know, eventually drive the business impact, which is what everybody really cares about. Yeah, yeah. Are you seeing the change coming out of the CMO? Uh, I guess you're in North America. Um, or is it coming out of the IT department? Or is the C-suite driving... Yeah, it's it's a really great question. So I do think that the the changes are coming from the CMO. I think you know, uh, being a CMO is a tough job, right? There's a lot of demands, and I think I think you know the change is often kind of rooted in the desire to improve improve things and and make things better. And so Mm. um, you know, I I think you you poked at an interesting question though, right? Which is is it the CMO or is it IT? And we are really seeing uh, you know a huge influx of marketing technologists. And sometimes they report up to IT and sometimes they report to the CMO, but really, you know, someone who's responsible for and owns that marketing technology stack um, mm. and, and helping drive the right decisions for it, because it's not quite all an IT decision. It's not really mm. quite all a marketing decision. And so, you know, these blended roles are really starting to, to take hold, I think. Yeah, and we keep reading headlines of, you know, the CMO is arresting budget back from IT and so it rests with the CMO. Yeah. Um, 
But if they've got control of the budget, what we're seeing is they don't necessarily have the capability or the knowledge, um, A, about technology and some technology uh, solutions, but B, certainly artificial intelligence when you're talking yeah. about infusing it. So it's a challenge. Yeah. If I've got the money, yeah, yeah. how do I know how to spend it if I don't really well, I, understand? I think, you know, there, there was, you know, sort of this initial wave of investment in, in marketing technology that, you know, were, that was largely, you know, went to cloud providers because, mm. well, cloud makes sense, but also because those organizations could go around their, their IT, right? Uh, we, yeah. We're absolutely seeing, though, that, you know, they're sort of seeing the problems with that and, and starting to bring IT back into the conversation, right? Because really, you know, to be successful and to, to create great experience, customers are going to love, you know, you, you need to bring IT into the, to, yeah. to the conversation, um, you know, to make sure that the systems are going to, you know, do what they need to do over time. But ultimately, someone has to make a decision. So yeah, true. Uh, yeah, I, I get that we need technologists yeah, yeah. together, we need marketers yeah. together, we need the vendors or yeah. partners. Yeah. No, I mean, there, I think that, you know, look, the CMO is in the driver's seat there, yeah. right? They're, they're the steward of the brand, right? They're the ones who are responsible for creating, you know, customer interactions that, that people love and that deliver on that brand promise. So yeah, yeah. it's definitely the CMO. Okay. So CMO, yep. it's on your, his or her shoulders. Mm. Um, let's put ourselves in those shoulder, in those feet though. So I'm a CMO. Uh, it's a bit messy. I've integrated internally with my technology team, et cetera. Mm. Um, and I'm looking to evolve, I guess, the role of technology, and I'm exploring AI. Give us a sense before we jump into your products. How do I go about it as, yeah. as the CMO? I mean, you know, look, I, I think um, there's a few different ways to approach the problem. And, and so a lot of times the first decision a CMO is making is just around how are they going to approach it? Um, I think there was a lot of investment initially around hiring teams of data scientists mm. to just focus on, on marketing. Um, I think if you, if you have the ability to invest that way, it certainly can you know, bear a lot of fruit and uh, be, be very profitable and help improve effectiveness and efficiency. But it's, it's very expensive and it's a very hard yeah. way to do it, right? You know, first of all, a lot of the data scientists, they're awesome with algorithms and machine learning, but they don't really <coughs> understand marketing. Yeah. Right. And so there's a little bit of a gap there. Um, and then, you know, I also just think like, you know, in order to really scale great experiences, you have to, you know, bring together, you know, human connections um, with mm. the technology. And I think, you know, that gets hard to do as you just try to say, well, I'm going to hire a team of 100 data scientists. Yeah. So, so it's often a blend of like, well, how do I get the right skills for the team? How do I invest in some data science resources? And then, you know, how do I complement that with, uh, you know, technology and, and uh, you know, capabilities that have been, um, you know, baked into the platforms mm. I'm using? Because there's probably a, a level of uh, control or an issue around control. We certainly know some marketers or businesses don't like to let their data yeah. out to third parties. And then, of course, the third parties would love to get hold of the data and do better analytics and better mining. Yeah. So maybe there's been a bit of a, and certainly in Australia we've seen... Well, you know, control. I mean, if, if there is a whole Pandora's box around privacy that yeah. is, is, is being opened, right? And, and I think in Europe, you've had GDPR. That's, you know, rushed in a huge wave of copycat legislation. So you've got in California one that's about to go live in Brazil. Mm. You know, I think what's been happening here with the Royal Commission, like there, there's some stuff coming, right, that marketers need to get organized about. Um, and, and I do think, you know, having... The, the right mentality about privacy, thinking through you know, how you be transparent about what you're collecting, 
being responsible about how you use it. Um, those are all you know really important concepts for marketers, and and the the privacy legislation will will drive the need for some change, right? And for marketers to be more transparent, but also just you know think through what they're doing a little better. I you know mm. I was talking with a big bank uh, uh, from Australia uh, yesterday, and they were sort of we, we were talking about the potential for for regulation, and one of the main areas we were we were talking about was really how they create consent to communicate with customers. Mm-hmm. And right now for each channel, it's just, you know, it's, it's binary. You either say, yes, the bank can contact you yeah. or no, they can't. Opt in or opt out. And, yeah. and like, you know, frankly, we talked a lot about how, how, do, how do they opt down, right? So mm-hmm. um, either allowing uh, customers to choose certain communications, um, like only talk to me about these topics, um, or choosing to just be communicated to less frequently. So, yeah. you know, you try to move from this binary, binary, either in or out, to, to something a little bit more subtle that's not going to be problematic as you, as you have to, you know, um, you know comply with re- uh, potential legislation. Yeah, like like, which certainly takes a more human approach. Yeah. It starts to yeah, think yeah. of us as, you know, humans mm-hmm. interacting. We're customers, but I think thinking of humans who don't yeah. want to necessarily receive all information all the time or I might yep. want to stop it for a couple of months or weeks or, or days, whatever. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Um, okay, so data is a the theme we're picking up on. That yeah. these technologies and whether it's an artificial intelligence learning algorithm, it's only as good as the data coming in. What are you seeing around either enterprise-wide approaches to data, or versus silo? You talked about at the beginning customer yeah. experience uh, improvements, but it's only really as good as that data that's going into those machines. Yeah, isn't it? I mean, you know, absolutely right. There's definitely garbage in, garbage out. Um, you know, a, a few a few different thoughts, always from my perspective. Um, you know, I, I think it's not always about having all of the data, right? So there was a whole wave of let's create a 360 degree view of the customer and let's, you know, put everything in a data warehouse. And it turns out that marketers discovered the data warehouse is where data goes to die, right? Um, the great cul-de-sac yeah, of data. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. Um, so, you know, I, I think that marketers are are trying to figure out how they get the right data, right? How do I know who the customer is? How do I understand them in the context of right now? What are the pieces of data do I need to know to inform my decision about them right now? Um, and so there, I, I think there's this, a subtle shift into, you know, sort of really looking for the right context for a customer rather than every last single piece of, of mm. data. Um, you know, and, and then the other thing uh, that I talk to customers about a lot is, um, don't be afraid to ask customers for some piece of data that you really, you know, think would make a dramatic difference in how you service mm. them. And, and a really simple example that I love is uh, we were working with a uh, large retail outlet that sells musical instruments. And they had this idea that, like, well, uh, for people who play guitar, it's very polarizing. You either love mm-hmm. Gibson or you yes. love Fender. Yes. Right? And, and, and so what they decided to do was just, like, they had a you know a little survey that they ran on their website that just said like which do you, do you love like? yeah you know and then what do they do with the information well they use that to drive the personalization uh, on and, you know every other marketing interaction right on the mm. website in the email you got your you know Gibson themed uh, message and you know it it dramatically changed their response rates it dramatically changed you know the conversions they were able to achieve and mm. it was really just based on this simple idea of. Let's ask the customer this mm. this question, and and you know it's going to achieve some great results for us. And so yeah, I think a lot of times we get so caught up on like, 
well, I'm gonna you know, run this data mining algorithm to segment you into these very sophisticated things. And sometimes you, know, you can just do something really simple, like ask a question. Yeah, or get, getting back to logic. Yeah, yeah. Uh, another example we, uh, I often refer to is, uh, is my mother, which is classic, <laughs> has been 25 years, I think, or 23 years uh, subscriber to the theater. Mm-hmm. Stopped for one year last year. So been a great loyal customer, stops for one year, then it gets welcome back, dear new customer. Mm. Here's all the things that are you know available. Yeah, she's thinking, what a bunch of idiots! Yep. They don't understand yeah. me. They didn't use the data. Mm-hmm. I just fell into a bucket, which was new subscribers. Yeah. Yeah. So we can often get caught up in maybe losing sight of yeah, logic, as absolutely. you say, and getting the basics right. Mm. Um, let's leap into then the AI aspect yeah. of all of this and assume the data is not bad. <laughs> That's maybe a gross assumption, but yeah. some of the data is not bad. What are you seeing around, I guess, the machine learning uh, aspect sitting behind your products and and how that's helping marketers? Yeah, I mean, you know, uh, I I think when we all embarked on on the digital transformation, right, we thought, well, digital is going to be great because we're going to be able to measure everything. Yeah. Right. And and a little bit that turned out to be a problem, not not something that was great because it it kind of turned marketers into hoarders of data. Right. So. you know, I think, you know, again, we talked a little bit about the shift to not just all of the data, but what's the right data. And then, uh, you know, I think the exciting things that are happening in AI are really, you know, helping surface insights out of all of that data in ways that, you know, don't require you to go hire a data scientist or in ways that um, are, are much more automated, right? So uh, we're doing some really interesting things around our analytics business. So uh, if you're doing website analytics and you're seeing who's coming, we can automatically identify when people are struggling on the website. So if you think about that, it's usually during mm-hmm. a conversion activity, mm-hmm. right? I'm trying to sign up or I'm trying to purchase and something's not quite working right. So I, you know, I hit the, the button 10 times, yeah. those sorts of things. Ordered 10 units yeah. by that stage. So, so instead of having to have an analyst go through and kind of hunt and peck for those things or look at a report for those things, um, you know, the system is just in the background automatically looking for them. And then when it finds one, it alerts them. Mm. Uh, and then the, the analyst can give feedback that says, no, you know, that, that's right. Yeah, that was great. Or no, 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 that was normal and it, and it happened. And, and, you know, just sort of uh, being able to automate the creation of some of those insights um, is really helping marketing departments scale, you know, the, the, mm. the insights about their customers. So it's a greater efficiency. Yeah. Yeah. Well, aspect. And, and there, there's effectiveness stuff, too, happening yeah. with, with AI. Right. You know, a, a little bit you know, kind of classic uh, business stuff, right? We can either improve efficiency or we can mm. improve effectiveness. Um, and, you know, the, the efficiency stuff, there's a ton of productivity things on the effectiveness. It's, you know, really just I can spend more money and generate the same results or spend uh, less money and, and uh, you know, uh, drive better results. So mm. it, it's interesting. Uh, you know, I think uh, the power of AI can, can really influence both. Are you seeing it as adding stronger value to the marketing team and the CMO, obviously, starting to put, as you said, we can measure everything. And I think everyone fell into that, that cul-de-sac probably of absolutely measuring everything, but measuring nothing really. Yeah. At the end of the day. Is it giving power back to the marketer to then decide on which are the key metrics? I mean, you know, the, a little bit the way I think of it is it's letting the marketers be marketers again. Yeah. You know, like, yeah, they, like they don't have to go be analysts or data scientists. Um, and, and that's kind of important, right? Like the... The human aspects is why a lot of marketers get into marketing. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I think that as a software vendor, you know, software needs to be helping marketers do what they're great at. Yeah. Um, 
And, and I think, you know, sort of, it's not that technology is not important, but it, it needs to be an enabler to that creative process that the marketer is going through. So, you know, I, I think it's, uh, you know, it's really, it's a really interesting time because, you know, there's been a lot of buzz about AI, you, know, you might even call it hype, yeah. right? But, and, and it can, I, I think there's a little bit of fatigue around the whole idea of AI, but, but to me that's important because I think it's a signal that, look, we're on the inflection point here mm. of, of it adding value and solving problems. So, you know, I, I think some of our competitors, you know, have used AI to grab headlines. Yep. We're using it to help solve real problems. Yeah, and I think that's important that you've got to get back to marketing is helping drive business yeah. at the end of the day. Yeah. So if it's not delivering value, yep. uh, as you just said, the basics of great efficiency in the operations and getting stuff out, but obviously the effectiveness in delivering value back to the business, which is yep. whatever, sales, retention, profit growth, etc. Um, so I think that's great that it's giving a, a more of a focus on the business metrics, uh, which is important for marketers. Um, what are some of the other pitfalls that you're hearing? Because I think when we sort of look at the hype of the market, there's a risk in all of this of going, it was too overhyped. It, it is very complex. You know, it, it's a bloody complex area, if I can say that. Yeah. Because as you've said, you need data. You need fairly good or clean data to a degree. You need to prioritise what that might be. You need to look at systems and what systems are being integrated, what ecosystem it's within. And then you're obviously testing something, whatever the testing is, and looking yeah. at the analytics. And the machine might be telling you the best anomalies or best results to look at. But what other stumbling blocks are you seeing in approaching AI? Yeah, I mean, you know, it, it, for me, the backdrop is always, you know, the reason that there's so much hype about AI is because the potential's so great, right? Mm. And, and like people see the potential, which is yeah. why it's creating excitement. You know, I, I think, you know, when, when I talk to customers about how to adopt AI and how to, you know, um, uh, get the most out of it, a lot of it is, is not, uh, you know, terribly complex. It's usually mm. like pick some place to start, show value, Move on to the next place. Crawl, walk, run. Yeah, you know, yeah. it's it's like you know, look, the demonstrating value around an AI project is not hard, right? It's it's often just identifying a, a meaningful problem to solve, um, identifying a, a problem that's going to produce good ROI, um, and then you know, sort of um, promoting that internally, right? Mm. And and then moving on to the next one, and 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 really sort of this idea of experimenting, um, I think is really important. You know, uh, I, I was talking with. Um, uh, a telco customer uh, yesterday at, here in Australia, and they and they were saying, you know, um, it used to be that, uh, you know, we, we were working on our digital transformation project, and then that ended, and we realized we still needed to change more. Yeah. And, and so, yeah. you know, it's a little bit, I think people are moving towards um, agile marketing and, and taking the, you know, sort of the ideas behind agile and applying them to marketing. I think, you know, particularly for these AI projects, you know, it's a great idea and it's a great model to sort of identify these, you know, short, high impact things that you do, prove out the use cases, and then, you know, you either kill them off if they didn't work or mm. you kind of promote them into your production machine and, and then move on to the next one. And so I think, you know, this, this idea of being more agile and, and the technology enabling you to be agile, I think is really powerful. So take more of a short-term-ism approach, uh, maybe, because I think... Yeah, in most major tech transformation projects, they get bogged down. Yeah, six, eight, it's, twelve months later, it, they're still almost, going. Um, it's almost, but not you know, it's sort of, it's 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 almost like uh, short term wins that help you get towards the long term goal. Mm -hmm. You know, with a clear goal, obviously yeah. in in mind. Yeah. 
Um, can you share any other experiences that are on the positive side? Let's not dwell on all the negativity. <laughs> <laughs> what are you seeing? You've mentioned fin services, and we've seen a lot of fin yeah. services. Uh, I mean, you know, look, here's what I would say that, um, you know, most marketers want the same thing, right? They want to create great experiences that their customers love. And, and I think that's a really powerful thought, right? Like, marketers have great intentions. And then you think about all of the terrible customer experiences that are actually out there, and you just, wow, there, there's a big gap between what marketers want to do and, and what, what's actually happening. And, mm. and to me, you know, I think some of the most exciting stuff in, in our market right now is, is where, you know, technology is helping close that gap. Right and and bringing uh, closer together what the marketers have in their heads and and want to deliver as the experience um, with what they actually do, mm. um, you know and 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 to me I think you know AI is the catalyst for that really um, I think marketers are great at the human connection technology is going to be the thing that lets them scale that up and and create those personalized experiences and mm. and for me at least I think AI is going to you know change marketing more in the next five years than the change we've seen in the last 25, right? I yeah. think we are really on the, the precipice of, of just such a, a massive transformation of marketing. Um, and, and, and there are lots of examples where uh, marketers who are adopting technology in the right way are driving differentiation, right? So, mm. so there, mm. there is huge opportunity for these great experiences to, to differentiate the brand and to drive the results that, that people want to see. Which is back to... Yeah. The marketing yeah, objective, yeah, exactly. isn't it? Yeah, um, yeah. I've got an idea. I probably shouldn't do this, but I'm going to float it and just see yeah. if, uh, if the machine can solve it. So in my simple brain, I'm thinking anytime anybody clicks to a website, for example, yep. the website could be anywhere. It might be in a social media network or it might be an actual yeah. website. But if I click to somewhere, from somewhere, can that site intelligently identify me and only let me access products that are actually relevant to my profile? So... Yeah, I mean, there, there's some things you can do, right? Um, you, there are ways to understand your location and, and where you're coming from, and the location can help influence uh, what you see. And we can also progressively build the profile of who you are as you're mm -hmm. clicking around. So as you're expressing interest in some things or typing certain terms into the, the search box, all of those things will, will help uh, drive the personalized experience. You know, there, there's other things mm -hmm. you can do to, you know, sort of... Um, by third-party data that would that would help tell you a little bit yep. more about that person in, in a anonymous and privacy-sensitive way. Um, so, so there's lots of opportunity to sort of you know uh, uh, even as someone brand new shows up um, to say, well, they look like other people who've come before. Yep. Those people responded well to this message. Let's let's personalize the experience in that way. Because I'm thinking, you know, if you, if we obviously a cookie or you could use third-party data that gave me a a good view. If you look at a premium product that's not for everybody luxury product for example yeah. um, could the intelligent brain sort of do some credit risk checks and financial oh, checks and check okay this product's at least yeah. affordable yeah, yeah. In, a, in a positive social way yeah. but then maybe based on like so I like this style of brand or product or thing therefore it's only available for that sort of person so Jay as you click on this and come to the site it'll serve up only this product for you because all other ones aren't relevant to you. Well, and, and, and certainly, you know, when you think about, so, so yes, right, when, when you think about the different types and Sorry, of, only you could access it. Yeah. So it's only letting you actually access the next level of information yep. because you are the right yeah. person. Yeah, I mean, and, and when you think about the different attributes marketers have historically used to target, right, it's some pretty uh, basic things, right? Mm. It's age, it's income, it's gender. Classic demographics. Yeah, and, and so, you know, there, there are these, 
you know, um, new areas uh, that, that can be really powerful and can really help drive results that, that markers are starting to experiment with to figure out, you know, hey, how would that influence? Now, mm. you got to overlay that with the regulatory environment, of right? Course. Certainly in financial institutions, sometimes there's, you know, fairness in lending laws and other things like that that of sort course. of, that, that change the scope or, or, uh, or how you solve the problem. But the machine would know all that. So yeah, if it's all absolutely. fed in whatever yeah. vertical or whatever yeah. industry, we could feed in all the regulatory compliance, Absolutely. et cetera, data. Yep. Um, but I think where, certainly in some discussions I've had, marketers are hoping for taking personalization to another level yep. because we've heard about personalization well, with and lists and CRM from the yeah. 90s and direct marketing. Let me, and, and let me give you an example. One of the, one of the ways that, that we're driving personalization into the platform. So, you know, using machine learning to, to drive personalization, that's, that's been around a long time. Um, for one of our personalization products that we sell, um, it's the number one reason people say they buy it. Mm -hmm. Now, if you look at how they use the product, it's also one of the least used features we have. And so we went through a whole design thinking exercise where we interviewed them, we talked to them about it, you know, hey, like you said, this is why you bought, like, why aren't you using it? And, you know, it, it more or less kind of comes down to, well, it's kind of scary. <laughs> and if it doesn't work, I get fired, you know, and, and sort of, um, almost a little bit of a control thing, right? They don't want to turn over control to the machines. And mm -hmm. so what that resulted in is us designing some, some different capabilities, which is we still have the machine learning. It's going to experiment and run tests and figure out, you know, men 18 to 24 in suburbs of Sydney respond to this type of content. Um, but then instead of saying like, okay, well, now that I know this, let me go let the machine decide for everybody what to personalize. Instead, mm -hmm. what it'll do is translate what it learned into a rule present the rule to the marketer and say, oh, did you know men 18 to 24 in suburbs of Sydney are responding to this content? Would you like me to start serving them that content? Based on that, yes. And it lets the marketer compare it to their intuition about what should or shouldn't make sense for the business. Um, and it gives them control to say, yes, please turn that yeah. on. Or no, like that doesn't make any sense or for a bunch of reasons is wrong. And so, you know, by, by sort of in, by working with the marketer and putting it into their workflow and giving them control and visibility, um, you know, sort of we're, we're driving much better adoption of, of this fancy technology. Yeah, we're not, we're not threatening yeah. the marketing team yeah, or leader. Exactly. We're working with them. Yeah. So I like that thought. It's almost augmented yes, absolutely. Uh, marketing yeah, absolutely. or augmented yeah. relationship. Yep. Yeah. Um, that's fantastic. So I guess going forward, the next few years, do you see, you talked about we're on the precipice here of, of big leaps. What are you seeing coming down the line uh, of next steps or next stages? Yeah, I mean, you know, uh, it's, I think there, there are a couple of, of really big things happening. For me, probably one of the most exciting trends is really uh, starting to bring together the marketing technology stack and, and the advertising stack. And, mm -hmm. you know, again, it, it comes back to business results, right? And, and I think that today the, the on-site experience uh, or the on-brand experience is very different than, than what's happening way over in advertising. Yeah. Um, and, you know, a lot of times, you know, we're doing some very interesting things to, that are very simple to connect the marketing technology ecosystem into advertising. My, my favorite example is um, a bank here in Australia uh, basically used their marketing technology from us to pull a list of, of customers and what products they own. They activated that into their demand side platform and used it as a suppression list. So basically stop marketing to customers, products they already own. Not, a, not I mean, we've talked a lot about some, you know, science fiction things with AI, mm. like that's, 
That's like basic blocking and tackling. But you know, it turns out they were spending about 20% of their media budget marketing stuff customers already owned, right? Mm-hmm. So, so there, there's huge um, opportunity in the advertising side to drive um, you know, better ROIs as you bring these things together. You know, in addition to creating a much more integrated customer experience, you know, it's awesome that it can also deliver the business results that, that folks need. And so I think, you know, as, as, you, as I look over the next couple of years, I think um, that you'll see, you know, massive um, uh, coordination across those two big platforms. Um, I think the, the other big trend uh, I'm excited about is I think there's some really interesting thing happening, interesting things happening in emerging channels. You know, I think um, uh, what's really cool about the, the APAC region uh, and Australia and New Zealand is I think that, that these, this region is very much on the forefront of what's happening in like group messaging platforms like Line, mm. WeChat, WhatsApp, and um, driving some very innovative things in terms of how brands interact with people through those channels that, that are on the forefront you know, globally. So mm. you know, the U.S. is very behind on that front. I think this, it's one of the really exciting things that's happening in this region. The only risk in that is, of course, we, we as users quite like the closed garden in a sense. Uh, as soon as advertising gets bombarded into it, we start to look at it as an invasion of our privacy yeah. or, or used incorrectly. But I guess what you're saying is if we can make it a better experience, yeah, and I, I, I think there, you know, there's some places where it's a very efficient channel and a very efficient way to communicate with a brand. Mm-hmm. Um, no, I agree. There, you know, there's danger and opportunity, right? Like, like, like any big thing that might happen, you know, you, you're trying to balance those, the, the tension there. Excellent. You're American. We've got to be positive. <laughs> I was having breakfast, <laughs> breakfast with two uh, people from California this morning, and I yeah. love the uh, positivity. Yeah. Uh, despite everything else, we're not going to talk about. <laughs> Jay, look, thanks for having a chat, and lovely to, uh, to meet you, and thanks for coming in. Yeah. Uh, good luck with the, uh, the official launch, and we'll certainly be, uh, be staying in touch. Yeah, I've run out of time, but I've got one last question. Uh, as you work together with your robot on your side, what are you going to call it? What's the name? Mm-hmm.